0: Maze Mortgages are five-based mortgage and protection specialists. Our aim is to provide our clients with high-quality, personal and friendly service. Our advisors have over 25 years of industry experience and have an outstanding record for sourcing our clients the products that suit their needs. Where we're different though, unlike many other brokers, from start to finish, we won't charge you a penny. Contact
1: us via Facebook to find out more.
2: Hi, I'm Alan Fleming, and you're listening to
0: Glory Days of Gold. Lord Provost Warren of Glasgow presents the Scottish League Cup to the side that lasted the course better. All conquering East Fife.
3: As I made my way to that Wells and road, Sing my songs for the boys in black and gold. I heard the stories about 1938. When I was just a boy, I knew I'd have to wait. Now there's broken dreams and what might have been at that stadium by the shore. But those glory days in gold might return once more.
0: Hello, hello and welcome to Glory Days of Gold, your East Fife and Scottish football podcast. I'm joined by the majority of the the regulars and one hanger-on that we just can't seem to get rid of. But I'll introduce myself first, I'm Lee Gillis. I'm joined by Doug Perry. Hello, how are you? All well, all well. Gordon Henderson. Hello. And the hanger-on, Arn Anderson. Hello. I'm fine by the way, aren't everybody else asked? So yeah, we've got, got a few games to cover. Um, it's been the proverbial roller coaster ride um the last couple of weeks um weeks that we've missed. We've finally managed to get Doug in the continent, let alone the, the country. Um we've managed to get Gordon in the country, let alone on the continent. And um, yeah, I just didn't think you want to listen to, to Aaron and I. Um, Michael's off doing Michael things, whether that's anything inappropriate or working. He's just unav- available to make this one. But again, you'll be pleased to know there's zero MLS chat in this podcast. No mentions of Ryan Gold to be signed by Real Madrid or anything off that. You might hear that us guys have got a very ropey voice. Um, and the reasons for that are, again, nothing to do with anything inappropriate, but all four of us down at sunny Oswestry, or as Gibby would say, Oswestry, whoa, um, and sang our wee hearts out for 90 minutes, Doug.
1: Yeah, I, I'm, yeah I'm really struggling. I was caddying today at Mars and I had to apologise to my golfer because I was speaking and he was like, what? I was 150 like, to the flag. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was. Uh, it was. It was worth losing the voice, though. I will come on to it, but it was worth losing the
0: voice. Gordon, have you recovered? Gordon um, woke himself up snoring so loud in my car um, that he jolted upright um, yesterday. Gordon,
2: uh, yeah, suffering a wee bit on on Sunday. Quite uh, a draining weekend. My voice is not quite recovered. I'm going between being very hoarse, and then sounding like uh, I'm 13 years old and my voice is breaking. So hopefully get
0: fixed by tomorrow. We'll see. Ando, you were the more sensible one of the weekend. Now, I'm going to give you a few Ando quotes that I wrote down that are actual word for word that Aaron came out with this weekend. Number one, I know this is sad, but I got up and did a Metafit workout this morning, on Saturday morning. Anything to add to that, Am?
4: Guilty. Um, Luckily for Gordon, with him losing his voice, he sounds like a 13-year-old. Mine always sounds like a 13-year-old's voice breaking, so that doesn't make any difference to me whatsoever. But no, you call it sensible. I also recall me saying that I don't drink very much and then ordering five shots of vodka before (laughs) we went on the ground. Um, So I do recall that. So you call it sensible, I call it fucking stupid. (laughs) <laughs> um, thanks very much I, I did make the right choice
0: at that point where you were like tequila and I went absolutely not and then you went oh I'll go see what they've got and came back it's gin or vodka and I went absolutely not um, and Gordon and Doug were like fuck yeah and so yes absolutely no wonder um, that there was a few sore heads across the weekend myself and my dad on Saturday morning woke up and Went for, and with Aaron as well, and went for breakfast, um, to which I didn't barely manage to eat much of mine. I ended up giving half a wing to my dad. Um, and then as we were going to leave to go and meet Gordon and, and Alan in town, I just walked past and I went, it's Madre on draft. And I went, oh, oh well, I'll see if what makes me feel better. And that was the beginning of a very sorry tale, um, considering I think we got in Gordon on the Friday night at 1.30ish.
2: Yeah, I think so.
0: Yep. I want to ask you all one highlight of Oswestry. Nothing football related, just just off the beautiful town that we got to stay in for a couple of nights. Start with you, Gordon. Oh,
2: fuck. I was hoping you wouldn't have come to me first. Um,
0: <clears throat> highlight of
2: Oswestry. Um, I'll tell you what, there was a really nice um, KFC opposite the Travel Lodge. Really appreciate that beautiful architecture. Um, just a great, great place to visit.
0: Almost Gaudi esque, you know. But at, at times, I felt like I was walking through modern day Barcelona, <laughs> uh, with the the show of architecture on site. Doug, I mean, you'll probably not remember much of it, given the fact you were completely wankered for the entirety of your duration in the York state. I mean, I, f- I
1: feel that's uh, libelous. Um, <laughs> yeah, I don't remember much. Um. Huh. I'll go with a low light first, if that's okay. Because Westbury does not like taxis. No, you do not. Absolute disaster zone. Uh, so that was fun. Um, actually, I think a highlight like, for me it was the next morning, the Sunday morning, I remember saying to Gibby, I was like, I wonder if I got like takeaway food or last night. I says, normally the telltale would be there'll be some of it down my t shirt or something. So I uh, looked at said t shirt and was like, nah, I think I was sensible and didn't eat any crap last night. We went out for breakfast. I put my East Five tracky top thing on and it was covered in <laughs>
0: tomato sauce, I think. So I was like, yeah, definitely, definitely had some form of food. So that was quite amusing. I can categorically confirm it was not tomato sauce, but chili sauce from the shish kebab that you ordered at USA Goodbye. Fried Chicken directly across the road.
1: Well, that, generally, folks, all you listening, this is this is news to me, so that's exciting. All right, okay, that's not bad. At least it wasn't Donner.
0: Well, yeah, I'm not really sure. But, Aaron, I mean, you've about to have had some highlights of this Westray. You've seen so
4: much of it. <laughs> I can concur about the lack of taxis in a town that has zero Population of anybody going a Friday Saturday. Night. I was ridiculous trying to get a taxi and just failing every time. I think the highlight for me wasn't actually Oswestry, but it was Gibby's white tent of a t-shirt that he kept wearing. <laughs> it was massive, like huge. Uh, apparently, it's meant to be. Maybe. Say again.
1: Apparently, it's meant to be. Is that the, the brand? Apparently, that's what they do. <laughs> I
4: keep it at a camping shop. It's absolutely massive. Um, I don't know if it's meant to be that style There's no way Because it was it was baggy It was baggy So yeah, my highlight wasn't necessarily Oswestry themed But it was a night on my clothing That was in Oswestry And Gabby's t-shirt was ridiculous
0: There you go um, I mean, I think there was a few for me I can confirm that USA Fried Chicken Did do an incredible Donner Kebab Because I had one Um, And I know what all our listeners are thinking, having seen me in uh, sunny Oswestry, that you know I look like a pillar of male health these days, but I did indulge in a doner kebab. However, my uh, highlight of Oswestry was actually USA fried chicken, but not the inside nor the ingredients, but the sign outside of the front of it, which gave you one of the most incredible offers that I've ever seen at a fast food takeaway of all time which quite simply said, buy one pizza, get one. Which, you know, I think you would probably take for granted most places, but given how much of a complete and utter shithole Australia was, um, I'm not surprised that they've got to actually advertise that. Although there was a few people close um, after it dug, you definitely won't remember this, but Gordon and our mate was the gentleman that literally crawled into USA Fried Chicken, and I took one look at him and I went, are you all right? And he went, yeah, except for me broken ribs. <laughs> I think he'd literally just had a shoe in and his first thought was, I better get myself some chicken nuggies, which he then proceeded to order directly after. But yeah, Oswestry is a place that I'll not be so keen to race back to. We'll go into that game first, since it was a game where we're all at. I think that the first thing that we need to mention was, first of all, the setup there, Doug, at at TNS was arguably the best I've been to. And I certainly, now I'm going to probably get hatred from the legions, um, I was going to say Welsh listeners, but they're not even Welsh, they're in England. The legions of TNS fans who will say, you know, that they're not a lower league side, but of a similar ilk to us. But I mean, their setup is fantastic. Uh,
1: It was very bizarre though. Like it's obviously... It's obviously like the stadium, but partly like a community-type centre as well, because obviously you don't have many uh, bar concourse areas with a soft play uh, above it. Um, To be honest, from as soon as we got to the ground, I thought the hospitality from them was first class. Even sometimes we chatted to the chairman for like 20 minutes when we first got there about the club, and he was telling us about why they wouldn't go into English leagues because of the money they get from Champions League sort of qualifiers and stuff like that to having a guy singing tunes with an acoustic guitar and a, you know, mic before and after the game was tremendous. And uh yeah, it was just, yeah, really good. The ground was tidy. Um It's just, I suppose it's, it's very odd because they're a very poorly supported team um for what they're, you know, of what they are, I guess, as a sort of runaway champions of Wales, in very commas. But, you know, for an away day, it was it was pretty amazing, to be
0: fair. Gordon Hart, to, to really add much to Doug's incredible summary there, but I just, just wanted to bring you back to a little tidbit from the, the before the game, where we were all definitely well, well-oiled by this point, and many songs were sung, Mary from Methel Hill, amongst many, many others um, across that time. But my highlight has to be when the singer went, does anybody have any requests? And Doug went, fucking silence! (laughs) Which (laughs) was met with complete and utter shock from the guy, but I think also complete appreciation that he'd been absolutely roasted with no comeback to that whatsoever. And judging by the look of his face, Doug, don't remember that either. No, I don't. I don't
2: remember anything. Really. Sorry. No, <laughs> the guy, the guy was in very good humour. I'm not sure he anticipated that much uh, cheek abuse uh, aggro when he he was asked to turn up and do a wee, a, a wee set before and after a football game. But he he, t- he took it in very good humour, and he was quite good. I he did enjoy. His- I did enjoy uh, them getting a wee bit of live music in before and after yeah. the game.
0: Aaron, it was quite a strange concept because it's not something that I could say I've seen in in Scottish football, certainly, like going in somewhere and there's a singer on. Um, But it it certainly added to the atmosphere and it it got you ready I thought for the game. Like just some of the tunes you were playing were um, I think I remember Ocean Colour scene was one of them as well as a a few other Oasis, um, and I think he threw in a couple of Scottish bands just because we were there. The View, actually, I've just remembered he played yeah. them as well, but certainly added to the the pre-match atmosphere. It's something I would love for us to have at Bayview and potentially could encourage more
4: fans to go in for a drink before the game. Oh, yeah, 100%. Um, I thought it was a great setup. I really did. I can't really add too much to what you guys have said already, but yeah, right, like just having somebody there playing some tunes that everyone can join in with and it was good as well because even though there weren't many home fans we were all in the one area the home fans and the way fans there was no real animosity and we were all kind of having a sing song together so that when you did go into the ground as you said well oiled but you were already in good spirits um, and you were ready just to go and sing when you went out I actually think it's something that the club I don't know the finances behind it I don't know how it works but if the to look at doing something like that once every even two months, three months, just even try it and see if it makes a difference, I don't think there's, you know, much to lose from that. But I definitely find that would get more people in, uh, you know, people who maybe are in the local community who would go and do it because as we encountered them there, there weren't many locals there, but there was a lot of people from Shrewsbury who turned up for it. I don't know how far away that is from it, but... Every single person from TNS I spoke to seemed to say, We don't support TNS, we're out for a day out from Shrewsbury. And one or two of them said that this sort of thing happens every week. So they'd heard of it and drove through for the day and and made a day out of it. So, yeah, I'd love to see someone like that at Bayview because I don't think, I can't recall anything like that in Scottish football. And I think it would get a good atmosphere going before the game starts. Couldn't agree more. Let's talk about the game. Um, obviously, I think many of
0: us went into that, and I think Greg nailed this in his his post match chat, where he's like, "A lot of folk were just expecting us to get hammered, and we we're going to be down for a bit of a jolly." But that wasn't really the case. I would probably say across the piece that a draw was probably a fair result, but we gave a good account ourselves against a team that have got European experience, Doug.
1: Yeah, I mean, I th- look, I think probably over the piece they were probably better, but not you know, a better footballing team, maybe. I mean, certainly the first, Christ, the first 15 minutes was an onslaught, really. Um, but for poor finishing and good goalkeeping, it, it could have been a very different game in fairness, uh, which Greg kind of alluded to at the start. I think it took us a little while to get into the game, but um, they they took a lot of shots from outside the box, which, which is fine, but... Um, yeah, so as I say, I suppose if their, their shooting boots were on a bit better, we might it might have been slightly different. But once, uh, I suppose, once we got the goal, maybe just before it was sort of grew into it, and we were pretty good up to half time. And then, the, the, you know, the fact that I thought, yeah, generally, second half, we were good. And uh, yeah, no, it was just, I think, as you say, I, when we were doing predictions before, I think it was twos, threes, and four nils really it was the, the general consensus. So, you know as the song was sung, Champions League, you're having a laugh, Europa League, you're having a laugh, and Conference League, you're having a laugh, Uh, was probably quite apt.
0: Something you do remember from Saturday, that's great to know. Oh no, look,
1: you know, I'm not a complete moron.
0: (laughs) I'm a a, a 90% moron. (laughs) Gordon, it it only took 14 minutes for TNS to, to take the lead through Brad Young, who we'd completely abused for 14 minutes for having pink boots on And, you know, you know what's going to happen at that point. And he almost gave us the Carlos Tevez to Sir Alex Ferguson cup the years right in front of us. But look, I think at that point, like Doug said, it it was kind of it was coming.
2: Oh, yeah, definitely. When they scored the goal, you just, yeah, you felt they, they looked like they were well ahead of us and well on top of us. And, uh yeah we give just decided to give that boy a boost for pretty much absolutely no reason and he very fairly got it right off us when he when he scored uh but I think really that was a bit of a turning point um in the game because I think after that they never really I, I agree that over the piece I think you know they looked a little bit ahead of us but not much um but I think after after they went one now up we really came back in and didn't let them didn't really let them dominate us in the way that we had, and you know, yeah. something I kept an eye on because obviously young, we'd we'd kind of dished it out and he dished it back a bit, but very quiet game after the goal. I yeah. uh, barely, really, really touched the ball very much uh, after that, which is a bit of a sign that obviously we we were far more in it uh, after that goal than we were the
0: the opening exchanges. Or alternatively, we psyched them out.
2: We got right in his head, yeah. Every time he looked down at his pink boots, he he just
0: melted. Yeah, probably that. Aaron, speaking about getting in people's head, there's only one thing really that people are going to remember from this game forever: Alan Fleming's incredible arse and how well he wiggled it um, during the Alan Alan Fleming um, chance throughout the game and semi-viral on Twitter um, Jaden Fairley did a good job in capturing that and I think it was up to there was over like 500 likes or something like that by the time I've seen it has been starting to be shared across Facebook and Twitter and things like that now but just uh, I think it was great not only for him to acknowledge the, the fans were, were cheering from him but really his personality and, and how much fun he is
4: hey, totally just to start with sensational ass like it's a little bit more profound than that video for Jaden as well. Um, but that no, was good. It was good because you, you could tell that the players, like you said, maybe thought that we were just coming down for a bit of a jolly. And that's probably how it came across in the first 15 minutes as they battered us. And we just kept singing. So it was quite nice. Just I think it was 1-0 when he done that as well. Um, showed a bit more of a lighter side. Um, and it was good because I actually felt like that as well kind of epitomised, I suppose you'll come to this later on, but it kind of epitomised a bit of a connection between the team and the fans on s- Saturday. That's the first time I felt it like that anyway. You know, you've seen how appreciative they were at the end, but a number of them after the game spoke to us about how they were able to hear us singing and how it drove them on a little bit. So, yeah, it was good. It actually gave a little bit of a connection between the fans and the players. And I thought that was quite good. I think, yeah, Doug, I mean... The fans,
0: you know, we've we've touched on it already, but did an incredible job of creating an atmosphere, an atmosphere, an atmosphere, even. Mm-hmm. Um, that Liam commented on um, post match was, you know, there might only have been a hundred of us there, but given the fact that the terrace had like that sort of tin roof, it probably sounded like there was three hundred of us, and I think that. If you listen back to the highlights, the noise that we we're making throughout the entirety of that match is, is probably the best atmosphere I've seen at an East Fife game in a, a long, long time in terms of even home and away and the singing for the entirety of the match. Sort of, I think Greg mentioned it to us after the game that it was almost reminiscent of 2007-2008 like sort of um, Dave Bakey season where you know the fans every week would sing for 90 minutes away from home.
1: I think, ironically, the last time I can remember an atmosphere like that was in the social club, in the bar, in Bohemians, just before the game was um, called off. I think when you're going away, you know, as soon as that draws me... Look, we've talked about it before, Gordon's mentioned it before, the tournament as a whole is a bag of shite, really. And it certainly is now that, you know, non, non-Scottish non teams and B teams and under-12s or whatever that's playing um, has come into it. But for the those draws, it's the best thing ever. I mean, the Bohemians weekend, Dublin weekend was unbelievable. That was a brilliant weekend, and everyone that's going down there, you're not just going to go. Oh, we'll be we taking an East Five game today. Yeah, let's drive five and a half hours or whatever to get there. So it's going to be, I don't want to say proper fans, but you know what I mean. It's going to be, it's going to be your hardened crew, um, and. Yeah, it was great. I mean, I would reckon if there was 100 there, 92 were pretty pissed. Which definitely, you lose your inhibitions and you kind of go for it a bit. So, no, look, it was great fun. And I think the way we played was a bonus. And I think we'd had, I think if we'd lost that game 5-0, we'd have had just as much of a laugh, to be honest. I think it was, uh, it it was as relaxed and chilled and, just fun I've had it at football for, as I say, since Dublin, I guess.
4: Do you not think that the, the bit before, obviously, we're all going by it anyway, because you, you've you been under a five and a half hour drive down somewhere and most of us stayed overnight or you're on the bus down to go back up, you're drinking on the bus on the way down probably. But I actually honestly think the the bit before it with the guitarist, I think about you're all having a bit of a laugh, you're having a bit of a sing-song. I think all oh. of that fed into it. You know what I mean? Like, there was even some of us as we were walking from the bit where we were having a song actually to our seats. We were just singing on the way around as well. Like, the singing didn't actually stop. So I think there's a lot to be said for that, you know, and contributing towards that atmosphere as well. I I couldn't agree more. I definitely couldn't agree more. Gordon, we had some
0: incredible shouts at that game. Have you got a favourite?
2: Oh, um... Some of them are, well, a couple of them are pretty obscene, even for this podcast. um <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not pointing the fingers, but, um well, Doug's got up and left. I think he was responsible for quite a few of them. I did quite enjoy, oh, I quite enjoyed the Tom Jones chant at the start, I've got to say.
0: <laughs> I just can't elaborate about... that on the air as we will get cancelled. Um, yeah. And I'd like to say that I definitely did not start that one, Doug Perry. Um, but it was very good, and I'm sure I, I can't remember it. But if you well, ask really us done. at Bayview on Saturday, then we we'll, we we'll certainly shed some light on that one. I think Brobble um, w- is a dobber Um, has been played in my head over and over again. I mean, and, I've, um, I've,
2: I've been singing the Alan Fleming song for two days straight now. It just like gets in my head. I mean, I, that was the most enjoyable because it was just. Uh, yeah. It was just a good tune, good to chant, um, and Flem reacted brilliantly to it. So, yeah, that was a good one.
0: And Ando, any, any other ones stand out for you?
4: Not to point fingers, but a comment about their keeper having a knob like Derry Lee. just <laughs> shouted randomly at one point when the ball was nowhere near him. Um, so, yeah, that was probably a highlight for me because I was like, what have I just heard here? Like, I, I believe it was Smells Like
0: Dairy Lee, was it not? Um, it, was
4: it was Dairy Lee uh, involved somewhere.
2: I yeah. thought it was he, dun- he dunked it in Dairy Lee. <laughs> who
1: knows? Because, could could, I, could I please hope this wasn't me? <laughs> <laughs> I think I
4: actually
1: don't it was. Okay. I, I I, I, that's, too, that's too, like, witty for me, I think.
0: Yeah, um, I, I don't know who it was either, but um, genius, I would say. Anyway, let's get back to, to football matters before we get cancelled. We, we then managed to get back into the game um, in the 35th minute. And it was through some, some good interplay we, we managed to get ourselves into the box. Fash looks like he's just the way to get his shot away and clattered from the side. and I, I think everyone in the stadium at that point knew it was a penalty. But I don't think any East 5 fan um, got expected what was going to happen next.
2: Uh, Trouton missing a penalty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've looked back on it. Um, I don't think it, it it wasn't the best penalty. Not up to Trouton's usual standard. Fair play, keeper. Keeper made a save, but Trouton was right in there. I mean, he was the keep. I mean, the keeper was up, and when you watch it on the replay, it, it almost looks like he could get it, but Trouton reacts very quickly. He's following it, and um, yeah. I mean, look, you miss a penalty, you get the you get the follow up, still counts.
0: But yeah, not often you see that. I was almost concerned that it might be a harbinger of the apocalypse, Aaron, that uh, Alan Trouton missed a penalty. I was having a look in the sky for like flying pigs and other things, you know, if it was going to start raining locusts or frogs or any of that sort of thing. But, you know, you've got to take your hat off to Trouton because one of the things that he can say now is he's not just a penalty merchant because he scored a goal from open play technically after that, just like he did a few weeks ago um, against Forfar. So, you know, getting
4: a reputation of being a bit of a fox in the box for sort of his deep line position these days. Yeah, no, he followed it in well. It was actually interesting when you watch the replay back because Trout my takes a penalty for the majority I've seen anyway. He really waits till late and he keeps his eye on the keeper and then he hits it the way the keeper is starting to move. Like, so the keeper's moving left, he'll go right. But if you watch the replay back, the keeper actually bounces to his left first and then goes to his right and saves it. Yeah. Um, So maybe he'd done his homework on Trouton before and always stand big quite as late as he could. So I actually think he outfoxed Trouton a little bit because you see him bounce one way and Trouton tries to hit the other, but then the keeper actually goes that way as well anyway. So, nah, it was good that he followed in though. It was good. I think that did signal a bit of a turning point in the game. I I, I think as well, we'll talk about him more, you probably more because of how he looks, us because of how he plays. But McManus was absolutely crucial to that goal like, so crucial, like, just taking the ball for the centre-half, so he grew in stature as the game went on, but then, you know, I think that was maybe the first time in the game that one of all midfielders got the ball and passed it forward. You know, he's, yeah. he's passed it forward, and that's led to us actually winning the penalty. Whereas before that, that bravery wasn't there, it was often going back to the centre-half, it was then going long, so I think McManus was crucial to that goal. What a beautiful man he
0: is, though. He is a, a beautiful, beautiful man. Um, aside, I, I'm telling you, every time I look in his eyes, I hear the Beatles. Beautiful, man. Anyway, like you say, we get back into the game and it did feel like the, the tide turned at that point. You know, we've just started to be a little bit more direct. You know, you've seen Scott Shepard becoming an absolute nuisance. Um, Fash is getting more and more involved. And then just, if we come back into the second half now, you know, the, the goal, again, started by Conor McManus, um, who I think closes the defender down, then feeds it to Fash. Fash you know, probably should score, but it's a, a good enough attempt that the keeper saves. And then Conor McManus with the acrobatics to take us to 2-1. And you pandemonium in the stands, Doug.
1: Yeah, it was just, um, it was one of those goals, just the press was like, they were all swarming over them like a, I suppose we do look a bit more like bees now. Is it? Is it bees now? I don't know. With our aloe colours in the whole city. Um, <laughs> but no, just, yeah, like, I don't know what the defender was doing, to be fair. He needed to get rid of that pretty quickly. But yeah, just great pressure. And uh, yeah, I don't know if it's an acrobatic finish. I mean,
0: he'd have been disappointed if he missed it, to be fair. But it was the goal. Gordon, back me up here. He, he says I kicks it in the net, does he not? Wow. Well.
2: It's ah, uh, I mean maybe acrobatics going a wee bit far, but he definitely sort of uh, he kinda uh, uh he gets his leg up and it's a fairly kinda nice finish. It's no it's no it's no simple, but I'm not sure I call it a scissor kick.
0: I think that you're doing that beautiful man a massive injustice, but takes takes it well. And Aaron, look, the goal is nice, you know? It takes us two and up. However, the scenes that follow the goal are probably the best things that I've witnessed. Now, did anybody else notice the stadium going into complete darkness just seconds after the goal was scored? As Scott Young's massive arse climbs over the fence, causes an almost lunar eclipse, solar eclipse, all those things into one, and completely decks it, arse first, onto the pitch before celebrating for five seconds with the player's... And then having to almost repeat that, getting back over. Aaron, you know, first of all, does, does Scott Young's arse compare to Flemings in your eyes?
4: I it was four of Flemings. But, no, I think, you know, it was funny, was that maybe it was because I was severely drunk at the time, but I didn't quite realise just how many people fell over that barrier. There was a few people. I saw Alex, like, wait. There's about six boys deck. Yeah. I didn't either it was that high. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Um, it was funny as well because actually, you maybe see it in the, the highlights because Jodie pointed out to me, but I actually run to the stairs after right. we scored. And in my head for a split second, I won't lie, I was like, I'm going to the pitch. And then as I looked, I just seen bodies lying on the ground. So I was like, <laughs> fuck that, no, I'm not embarrassing myself. So I yeah. kind of just stood there on my own like a twat, chucking my hands in the air on the stairs. I, yeah, I, I, was, ex- I was exactly the same. I,
1: I actually do vividly remember running down and going, yeah, fuck it, let's go to the pitch. And then going, <laughs> it was almost like Gordon Strachan in the 86, you know, where he tried to, the advertising hoarding, I'm like, yeah, I just don't see me getting up and over there. And then, <laughs> obviously, and then obviously the issue is, I've then got to try it get back. After you know, and I'm and I'm 42.
3: Yeah.
1: Do you know what I mean? I, so there was yeah. lots lots of emotions going through the head at the time.
2: On on the highlights, I can see the exact point in my face where I can see three bodies lying on the pitch going, <laughs> What the fuck is this? And then I just sort of like pull myself back as well. I've just seen three guys lying there like overturned turtles, just <laughs> <laughs>
0: I do want to say Scott Young has taken that incredibly well because he's he's held his hands up and went, look at this day me. <laughs> at me when i absolutely decking you. So fair play to you, Scott, because a lot of folk would have been raging, but you took it very, very well. Not as well as you did your drink, because I believe you whited on the bus on the way home, which I'm sure I'll probably get you a, a red card from Ian's bus for the foreseeable. But no, I thought it was it was really good. And I took one look at the defence, like pretty much everybody at that point, and I went, I reckon it'll be like something at the Grand National. If I fall over here, there's going to be a curtain come round and I'm going to get turned into glue in 60 seconds because there's no danger. I'm just getting back up. Single gunshot, this
1: heard yeah. from the... <laughs> from the
0: yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> but look, um, we all know what happens next. Um, you know, they, they, they finally get up the park, and it was, it was a bit ding-dong at that point, but, you know, about 15 minutes later, give or take, the ball goes... Further up the park, I didn't see it so clearly, but I, in my head, I remember saying "stone wall penalty." Um, and then you look at it back, and I mean, Liam Newton can really have no complaints, Doug. No,
1: and I don't, I don't,
0: I don't think he did a lot
1: wrong. I think it was just one of those things. It's just yeah. it's a reaction thing. Um, ball went over the top, and the guys trying to sort of knock it over him to have a shot or whatever. And he's, he's, I don't know if he's necessarily stuck an arm out, but it. It didn't look like it was a natural arms by the side. So no, I don't think I don't think there was any complaint from the players either. To be fair, a bit a bit like Spain's Scotland's goal get Spain, but we'll we'll come to that as well. Um, so no, I think it was uh, I think it was fair enough. And then as they showed later on, they do know how to take a penalty. To be fair to them, Gordon
0: had to argue with that fantastic penalty. Flam no chance.
2: Yep, yep, uh, good penalty in the in the ninety and good penalties. Well, from both their takers and keeper all game, uh, really, yeah, yeah. I thought, I mean, I think I'm the same at a time. I kind of remember sort of vaguely seeing a ball hit an arm and thinking, yeah, that's a penalty. Can't really say much against that.
0: So, look, I mean, and I'm going to come to you for the the last real moment of the game where we're broken walls and. I think everybody expected to, to see the ball hit the neck. He does so. He, he, what a difference he made when he came on. By the way, that's definitely the the broken walls that we've been missing that season. And I wonder if that's maybe due to the where he came on because he was he got that chance to be like a second striker almost. He was really direct and getting the ball forward. And you know, had he been on an old game, you just wondered if his body is more flexible and limbered and he's like, you know, more comfortable to take the shot. Obviously, he's come back on. He's come on, um, sort of towards the end. And tried to, to squeeze
4: that one in, but unfortunately hits it right really at the keeper. Yeah, it's it's like they say, he's done the hard bit, is not he? You know, he, he, I actually thought the best part of it was the strength he showed to beat the first tackle, because he actually rode the first tackle. And the went down there to be fair, but he's rode it and he's kept going. Um, and he's beat the, the last man, no bother whatsoever. But it's one of those, if he just lifts it, if he just lifts it, I think he scores, because the keeper goes down really early. So if he lifts it, he scores. Um, but I think to give Greg his due I, I was actually really impressed by the vast majority of substitutes that came on on Saturday I thought they all made a difference um, you know Doherty came on at right back half time and you know I think it was the guy Broby out there got zero change at him, whereas the first half he was on an absolute field day so that was a good change I actually thought Kieran Mitchell who I know we'll probably speak about later on but I thought he made a difference when he came on, just being very direct and using his pace, because he played such a high line. And, and he got in behind several times. It was actually number one where he, he's cut it back to Brogan, but I think it deflected to ship yeah. he's hit it right. But, so, and, and I thought Brogan when he came on and that sort of number 10 was, was brilliant. So I thought, you know kudos to Greg, because I, I think his substitutes were spot on on, on Saturday.
0: Yeah, and do you wonder what? That's a fantastic point, Anne because I think it's something that fans have been really critical that he doesn't make his subs quick enough, um, or they don't make he doesn't make the subs that we expect him to make. But I do think he got that absolutely bang on on Saturday, and the subs that he made were tight, like sort of turning the tide. I would love to see more Kieran Mitchell. He just looks like he's a very good player, so unbelievably quick. I remember when he came on against Spartans. I swear to God, I heard them saying meet meep as he went past the stand because he just absolutely destroyed the full back for pace. Like it, genuinely almost like his, his feet weren't touching the ground. But you've got to like like we'll, we'll talk about our penalties just now and we'll we'll probably gloss over them because I don't think any of them were very good. And um, which given what we've seen from us um in recent penalties, you know, we've actually been all right. But I actually think that potentially our best penalty, Doug, was Miller, uh, uh, was Mitchell's, And it's a yeah, it little like it was going uh, right in the corner.
1: Yeah, I think it's the um I think most of them fell under the good height for a goalie bracket. Um and obviously he was incredibly unfortunate not to save at least two others. Um really but um I- you know, I think Greg said it, and anyway, that's nineteen successful penalties out of twenty in shootouts is quite impressive. So, yeah, I, again, by that point, obviously, it would have been nice to win it. Like, it's probably the least gutted I've ever been after losing a penalty shoot. Like genuinely, it was like, oh well, you know. I think I think I feel like we've kind of had a semi-victory by getting a, a draw against a team that were. Expected to hammer us, but no. I thought, um yeah, I just thought penalties wise, I thought their penalties were very good. Fleming, I don't think got near any of them, uh, and he's and he's a good penalty so uh, stopper. Um, but yeah, as I say, I think uh, I think I think it was probably the right penalty result. To be fair,
0: I think that's probably a, a great way to to wrap up the the game versus TNS. And you know what time it is? I think for a three to one, gentlemen. So. I'm going to come, first of all, to Doug Perry. since he's oh, such, such
1: an arse. Uh, sorry, <laughs> for obviously those of you uh can't see us, I just gave him the don't come to me first look, and he's got me first. Okay. <clears throat> Get
0: the yeah. obvious. What,
1: what can I remember? <laughs> um, I'm going to go... Oh. I'm, I'm going to do this in a very random order. Two points to Alan Fleming. Yeah, because uh, he made a lot of saves. Let's let's put it that way. Yeah. Uh, and his dancing um, was memorable. Uh, three points I'm going to give to uh, Conor McManus. Just good. I think he's after quite a slow start to the season. I think he's uh, he's kind of back to the guy from last uh, the end of last season. And one point. <clears throat> I'm going, to, I'm going to give one point to the fans. Because <laughs> I, <can't laughs> I can't think of any other one. Because, by the way, we were fucking fantastic. Well done, us.
0: We absolutely were, by the way. And I'm just disgusted he didn't give us three, but I'll take it.
2: <laughs> Gordon?
1: Um,
2: yeah, I, I totally forgot about this and I just wrote the first thing that came into my head and um, I'm semi-relieved that uh, at least... Sounds quite similar to Doug, because I thought maybe I'll just remember absolutely nothing and look like an idiot. Um, but yeah, three points, Fleming. I thought he did it. he had a good game, and to be honest, he just he just gets so many points for that dancing and being such a good laugh. Uh two, McManus, yep, good game, scored a goal. And one point for Fash, uh, he won the penalty. He was involved in the second goal as well. So yeah.
4: And uh, very similar to what's been said before I've got one for Fash um, I felt you know I've said in the past that maybe he can't play up front of his own but I thought he's worked great and I felt like in the air he was brilliant actually he won so many headers on on Saturday he got clattered a couple of times as well by the way which was amazing that the guy didn't get booked for it um, so no I, I, and I felt like his movement in behind to win the penalty was good and probably should have scored you know, the, the chance that McManus ends up scoring, but he was in the position anyway, so yeah, one to fash. I've got two for Fleming, I just felt like first half, particularly the first 20 minutes, he made a number of saves that, that game could have been three or four in the first 20 minutes, and it never gets close to being a penalty shout. so two for Fleming, and yeah, three for McManus, I just thought he was an absolute class. Yeah, it's,
0: it's hard to, to disagree with that, and, you know, I think we will come on to Fash after this um, when we talk about the 4-4 the game anyway. But I agree, you know, I thought Fash was was fantastic. He got one point from, from me. I thought he was really, really good. Two, again, um, Fleming was fantastic. I mean, it's difficult to think of an East Fife goalie that is a better shot stopper than Fleming. I, I, he is unbelievable at pulling off the big saves when we need him to make the big saves and just does it time and time again. And three points has got to be McManus, really. He was he was outstanding. But I didn't want to give a shout to Scott Shepard, who I thought had a, a pretty good game as well. I thought Kieran Miller had a, a good game. Um, and then I, I also thought that Easton and Pagey had good games and Doherty did well when he came on. So I think that as a, a team performance, it was good. And I think that, you know, if we could just get that level of consistency in our performance, then we'll start to see these results reflect in the league. We seem to play very well against full-time teams and just be utter gash against everybody else. But we'll see how that goes. But thanks very much for your, your summary of that game, gentlemen. And we'll move um swiftly on to the Forfer game the week before. And from it feels like a long time ago, because obviously the previous week, the, the Bonnie-Rig game was off um Forfar does seem like a, a lifetime ago, but Doug, it was one of the, the first games that you'd managed, well, I think the second game you'd managed to see this season. Uh, no,
1: it wasn't. Uh, the Clyde game was the first game. I was not there. I was in France, oh. unfortunately. Did you have, happen to catch it on an overseas stream? Uh, I did not as I was working, ah, and I very
0: sadly. It was the same, it was a Ryder Cup weekend and I didn't even get to see any of that either. Yeah, to be fair, I didn't get to see any of the Ryder Cup either, so I completely sympathise. My wife very selfishly got COVID that weekend, and the, the majority of my weekend was looking after my daughter and doing all the ballet runs and gymnastic runs and all that sort of stuff that you've got to do as a parent. I did, however, make the game. Um, Gordon, did you see any of the forfer game? No, uh, I was in Italy at the time. missed all of that. And this is exactly why we haven't done a podcast that week, because nobody was at the bloody game. Aaron?
4: No, I wasn't in the game. Just sort of <laughs> highlights. Um so I'm gonna leave it up to you and well, I'm gonna leave it to Doug.
0: Yeah, Doug, you weren't there. Do you just want to do some sort of like North Korean highlights where we won fifteen nil?
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I must say I thought I thought first half we were the better team. Um and obviously it was a sucker punch to lose a goal from the corner so late. But uh we could certainly take positives from that for sure, yeah.
0: Well, I was at the game, so I'll, I'll try and summarise it as, as best as I possibly can before we move on to Liz Spartan's game. Um, I think that Fash had his best game um, since he came back. Um, but in the in the for game, I thought he was a real nuisance and actually looked back to his old self. He did so, so well um, to take the opportunity for for Troughton, um, Troughton then scores an absolutely beautiful finish from outside of the box, which is, I think, the first time since he's he's come to us that he's scored from outside the 18 yards, Um, but takes his chance so well. And, and like you say, I think we did kind of um, ride our luck a bit in that game. Um, I think they were probably just a better side, but I kind of felt like Forfa were starting to, to grow into the game um as it as it was going on and probably deservedly got an equalizer, but again it did feel almost like a defeat when you walk away having been one 0 up to to then go on and lose. I'm pretty sure that Jack Healy got man of the match that game from the sponsors, which I think were Make On, um that is Scott Young's work. Uh, much to the amusement of the majority of the fans, I believe, um, who thought that Trouton was man of the match, but Nonetheless, uh, well done, Jack, for that. But I think I'll just quickly rattle through my my three 2 one from that game, and I gave three points to Trouton, I gave two points to Fash, and I gave one point to one point to Scott Shepard was my three 2 one from that game. By the way,
1: how um, how good would it have been to have Alan Trouton, aged twenty seven? Yes, like. Do you know what I mean? The guy's like 84 years old and he's still like, he's he is, he's still properly class. I mean, when he first came, we were always a bit like,
3: because,
1: mm. you know, whether he's been put out of position or, but he's just, he is class, like absolute class. I and mean, he, he would have been, I'm trying, what was the highest level he got to? Championship, I think. But championship. He was always, always part time, wasn't he? I can't remember. Let me give it I'm, I'm, not, I'm sure he was always titled as like the best part-time player for years. He certainly.
2: Yeah, the he good few years at like
0: Aloha and Albion Rovers, where he was just ridiculous. Yeah. Like, yeah. Um, Morton, but didn't make a senior cap. Queen's Park, Clyde, Airdre, Air United, who would be full-time. Um, Breakin, back to air, then back to Break In. Then Albion Allah and then us. According to Wiki, he's got ten goals and thirty one appearances for us, which given the majority of them are penalties, is quite impressive. I I was
1: actually I was actually gonna say that about his missed penalty slash goal on Saturday. I wonder if deep down he's like, Yeah, I'm okay with that, because that gives me a a
0: normal goal that's not a penalty. (laughs) But again, his, his normal goal in, in the 4 game was outstanding. And, you know, I think Trouton is a a seriously intelligent player. And, you know, I've, I've heard fans sort of mump and, and moan about Trouton because I think he can be something he's guilty of giving the ball away. But I think that that's more often than not given the lack of options that he's got and he's trying to create something out of nothing. Um, but the amount of times that he plays a defence split and pass or... Or something similar to that You know You could just tell The guys Football intelligence Is off the Off the charts And and we were actually Talking about this Coming in the uh, the home Coming uh, back in the car And Aaron You made a point about Where you think That that's where Our midfield excelled Last season With Ferguson there Because they were both Just two really Intelligent players
4: Yeah that's That's it in a nutshell Because I would run I actually remember this and I'll hold my hands up and admit it. I remember, I can't, I, can't, I can't recall what game it was, but it was a game last year where I think I was sitting at the game and I texted you and I said to you, Lee, is Trouton sitting deepest today? Like, is he actually playing deepest at the three midfielders? And I was totally shocked. I was like, what? what is going on here? But he was brilliant. But he was brilliant because he had Ferguson in there beside him and McManus beside him. But Ferguson, in particular, was really on his same wavelength. So he actually read... The passes um, that Trout would play, and they, those two linked up so well. And I think when Trout is playing that deeper role this season, the absence of Ferguson is absolutely massive because it's like there's players who maybe don't read the passes that Trout tries to play. Um, so maybe it looks like, but well, he does give the ball away. But I think last season with Ferguson in there beside them. Um, he didn't give the ball away as much, and we actually dominated teams and played a certain style of football as well, where we dominated possession on a lot of games with those two in the middle of the park. So, yeah, I think Ferguson's missing massive for Trouton.
0: But I, I would probably say, Gordon, Trouton's maybe been our player of the season so far. I think him, A, Fleming really are your top three.
2: Yeah, it's a fair shout. Um, I think he has been really consistent I think yeah I mean maybe it took a while started last season to sort of figure out and not just Trouton, but um, you know where everyone kind of fitted in with the team and the system a wee bit but he's he's been very consistent you know I think over a there's a period of time so sort of end of last season beginning of this season where I think if you to say you know trouton has been our best player over that period it's hard to
0: argue Hard to hard to argue indeed so Look, I mean, I don't think we'll go back as far as the the Spartans game um, to go into it in summary, because I think it was that long ago that memorable points from the, the game will probably be sparse. But game finished 2-0, I mean, I would probably say that it was a game of two halves where um, Spartans were probably the the better side um, for the first half. But the second half, I thought that we were actually pretty good. Um Scott Shepard's um scored a, a fantastic goal with a, a great assist from from Jack Healy. You know, you've got to give Jackie his kudos there. He's played a beautiful pass that split the defence in two. And Shepard, you know, gets two goals in two weeks with a, a really good finish. Then um Blair Henderson, uh, sorry, before that you have Armstrong and Henderson scoring for them. And then, you know, I think that the moment that we were all waiting for, really, guys, was was Fash getting his goal and Doug, you know, you're you're sort of nodding your head there and and it was almost you could feel his relief um and what a finish it was as well.
1: Yeah, I think the main thing about that game was just being 2-0 down away to a team that's actually in pretty good form and coming back was was massive. And I think I think at half time, I don't think anyone could have seen that coming. We weren't great. I think our lack of pace and defense was alarming in that first half. Um, kind of got ripped apart a little easily. Um, I actually felt first half was the first game that Doherty struggled a bit. He got destroyed down that side. Um, but, no, as you say, just coming back's huge. I mean, and, you know, he actually felt at the time, you're like, oh, we might go in and sneak this one. But, no, great finishing, fast, kind of what you're used to, I think. These last two or three weeks, you're starting to see a little... It feels like he's just got a wee bit stronger. He's a bit more physical. He's a bit quicker, like whether it's a pure fitness thing or not, I don't know, but he does seem like he's quite close to being what we thought we were going to get, hopefully. Um, so that's good to see. Um, but no, I thought it was, uh, yeah, really good point. We, we'd said the week before in the pod that we'd we'd, we'd all be happy with a the draw there, to be fair. Um, so no, it was good. From being two no 0 down, it was a great point, yeah.
0: And, I mean, I don't know about yourself, but I kind of felt with the, the Spartans game, it took until I seen them, to see actually what a good team they are, and I actually think that that's what made that game enjoyable, because it's probably the first team that we've come up against this season that weren't just long ball merchants, and it's two teams that really wanted to get the ball down and play, but there's a few players that I picked out from Spartans that were outstanding. Cammy Russell just absolutely terrorised Sean Doherty for for 90 minutes, and like you said, Doug, um it really was that Doherty's worst game in any his five-shirt. You know, he just couldn't get anywhere near him. Then you've got Jamie Dishington, who I thought was outstanding. Um, You also have Reese Armstrong, who we knew was a good player. But actually, when you see him in the flesh, you're like, wow, what a player. And then also a player that you know quite well, uh, Kevin Walk, who I thought was really good as well. So just the, the, the sort of spine of that team, obviously, Blair Henderson's a good player. You've got Jordan Tappen, who we know is a good player. Spartans, I think are actually better prepared for this division than I think Bonnie Rigg were in terms of the type of player that they've got. But it'll be interesting to see if
4: they last the course. Yeah, the, the thing about Spartans, I watched quite a lot of them in the lone league last year, um, is that they do have a certain style of play, but they've got players that fit that system. You know, um, I mean, they're two big players for me are, are, are Kevin Wall at the back. Um, you know, their captain... Vocal, good with the ball at his feet. He's also very hard and good in the tackle. Um, and Reese Armstrong's just class. He, he'll, he won't be in League 2 for very long. He, he'll move. He, he'll go up the divisions quite quite quickly, I think. Um, but the good thing for us was that before it, I know we'd beat Albion, we'd beat Clyde. But if you cash your mind back a few weeks before that, there were questions around Greg, you know, and I think we actually discussed it on one of the shows. And, you know, if the players, you know, weren't playing for them at that point, the, the ideal opportunity to chuck the towel in, really, at 2 0 down at that game. Because let's well, have it right, Spartans battered us that first half. Um 2 0 that was fair. That that wasn't undeserved. Um, and if I'm being honest having watched the first half I thought it was more likely to go 3-4 than it was to come back to 2-2 so the players showed a bit of fighting spirit and a bit of resilience to stick at it Um, and I thought that game they played for Greg um, which was maybe a bit contrary to what some of the chat was or some of the rumours were or some of the fans were saying a few weeks previous to it so yeah, it, it was really pleasing to see us come back for two down and get a two-two draw. I think it's the exact point I made um, coming home in the car, wasn't it? That
0: if you think back to when we played Stranraer last season and they had, they did just want to chuck their manager under the bus. We scudded them eight nil, and it'd been very easy to for our place to capitulate and be like, well, if I actually want rid of Greg, then we'll just throw in the towel now and go on and lose the game, but it's bang on. You know, it's like we said um, on Sunday that they obviously do want to play for them. The fact that they're still fighting so much for them, Gordon.
2: Yeah, definitely. Um, You know, you look at the Spartans game coming back for 2-0 down and, you know, like we said, to to a large degree, the game at the weekend there, I mean, you know, yeah, they came back from 1-0 down, but you could see they were fighting to stay in the game. Um, and you know there was a lot of a lot of effort in there, and that you know if you don't have that, you're in trouble. Um, but I think if you've got that, you can always there's always something to build on. It does give you that wee bit of, bit of confidence that you can turn things around. And I don't think you know I think I think it's right. It doesn't look through kind of lack of effort, um, which is a which is a big thing. You know you can excuse bad results, but um, you, you know you'd want to see a team putting in. Putting in the work, putting in the effort, and you know you can always turn things around if you got that.
0: That's it. So look, let's let's wrap up our, <clears throat> our East five section. Um, we'll quickly talk about uh, the table as it stands, and then we'll talk about Saturday um, and a familiar face returning back to the MGM Timber Bayview Stadium. But the the stadium, the, sorry, the league table as it lies. Peterhead, nine games played, 19 points. Dumbarton, nine games played, 17 points. Stenhouse-Muir, eight games played, 15 points. Spartans, nine games played, 14. Bonnyrigg eight, point, eight, eight games played, in 12. Stranraer nine games and 11. Forfar nine games and eight. East Fife, eight games and seven points. Clyde, nine games and six points. And Elgin, eight games and five points. So look, aside of really the, the top... Four, you know, we're, we're five points outside um, of Bonnie Riggs have um, having played the same amount of games. It's not insurmountable for us to to come back and and make a playoff push, but really that change in form needs to happen from Saturday as we welcome Scott Agnew back to Bayview in a game against Stranraerdog.
1: Yeah, I mean, look, it's very very early in the season. I mean, we've got you know. There's a, there's a hell of a long time to turn this around. But as you say, the longer you are sort of down towards the bottom end, the harder it's going to be. Yeah, I think Saturday is a massive game. Um I actually meant to say to you that the the TNS manager did a preview interview before the game on Saturday, and he must have said that, that the next game is so important because it's the next one about 10 times. It was the most clichéd wash I've ever heard, but it's very true. So the next game is massive because it's the next one.
0: Great summary there, Doug. Hard to Hi. argue with Hi. fact. Um, Gordon, I mean, look when we played Starner away, I think you and I were the only ones from the the group that that made that journey. And you know, although we got a draw, it wasn't deserved. Um, you know, we got a pretty tough time. Down there It was a draw wasn't it I'm not imagining. Yeah it was a draw Yeah got, yep. got a draw um, Even though they went Down to 10 men Very early um, I'm sure Johnny Page Scrambled one in and, and it definitely looked Like a fill in the keeper But yep. And, and know, Flem saved two penalties Well one that Flem wasn't Flem really a Two penalty. penalties as well Yeah Could have done that On Saturday Flem um, mm-hmm. But you know Really um, They gave us an absolute doing And I think that That's where having Somebody that was On our coaching staff was completely to our detriment because he just knew how we were going to try and play and put a stop to that. What can we do on Saturday that's going to flip that in our favor? Oh, I think I think, I think
2: that's difficult to it's difficult to to put your finger on. I mean like you said, yeah, it's, you know Scott Agnew's going to know. You know, he's been in these conversations, he knows he knows the way that know, our coaching staff and Greg will approach games and think about games. So I suppose, for that point of view, you know, maybe it is a game to just try something a wee bit different, whether that's kind of personnel that we didn't, you know, are typically a wee bit different from what we had last year. And I think we, you know, we talked about this at the game and probably during the weekend. I think we'd all quite like to see. I'll, I'll quite like to see a run out for Kieran Mitchell. Um, you know, I know I've, I've missed games. I'm not not sure exactly how much he's played, but he is a player that looks good. He looks like he offers something. I think speed is always something that is difficult to play against. You know, it's it's hard to it's hard to set up to to, to kind of counter against that. It's always something that defenders don't want to face. Um, so maybe there's a bit of that, but I think you know, I think we are improving. Um, I think if you look at sort of what we were saying a lot at the start of the season was, you know, we felt like from the majority of the team, you know, you weren't getting you weren't coming away saying, Oh yeah, he's had a good game, he's had a good game, he's had a good game. It was maybe one, two, three players. Um and I think that, you know, that just makes a big difference, individual performances. But I think we're seeing that more and more. I think in more recent games, you're starting to feel like more of the team have put in good performances Um, and I think as simple as it sounds that's just a big thing Um, just individual form if half of your team plus putting a good performance you're most of the way there I think most weeks Um, so yeah I mean I don't know how you do that if I did I would probably yeah earn a lot of money at some, some big football team but I think that's that's kind of how we've got to do it
0: and obviously, you're the only one here with any sort of coaching
4: experience. So, what would you do to set us up against Stranraer and Aaron Saturday? Uh, I don't know. I wouldn't say it means I've got it right, but I just want to see us be aggressive. We're at home. Stranraer are not very good. I'm sorry, like, but they are not a good side. Simple as they're not. Um, they might have played well against us with 10 men. Doesn't mean they're a good side. We had a poor game that day. I'd like to see us just play higher up the pitch. You know, I don't want to see us sit in and play this 4-2-3-1. I-, I want to see us be aggressive. I want to see us attack. Play the strength of our players as well, you know. Um, I-, I-, I think it would be good to see two up front. I'm not saying that's 4-4-2, four, four, I-, I don't know. But I-, I think it'd be good to see us go two up front and give them something to think about. I, I would love to see the boy Mitchell up there. Um, playing on the last man um, with somebody up there beside him whether that be Fash or Shep, um who's you know going to put a shift in win flick-ons and then his pace in behind um, but I'd like to see us go and dominate the ball like go and dominate the ball I was actually speaking to Greg after the, the game on Saturday and, and I referenced the Albion Overs game and I think we spoke about it and we, we noticed it on the podcast was that first half we sat off them and we were really passive and they dominated us and Albion Rovers could have been two up if I remember correctly at like half time and we were still in it because they missed but the second half he, he basically pushed everybody five yards further up the pitch, the defensive line was five yards higher which meant the midfielders went higher, the attackers went higher and one thing that I don't think you see enough from us but the second goal on Saturday proved we can do it, we can go and press teams yeah. but we've got players who can actually go and press teams if they go together and collectively and it's coordinated and go and press teams we can win the ball high up the pitch you know so there's no Stram are not a team that I want to see coming to Bayview and dominating possession us sitting deep and letting them control the play, the, the play. that has to be the, the flip has to be the flip so um, see I, I want to see us be aggressive I want to see us attack And let's make no bones about we should be beating Stramnard at home. We should be beating They're not a good side. We should be beating them.
0: I I don't think it's a should be, and I think we have to beat them. And I know that that sounds madness to say so so early on, but I I think that we need to go out and we need to win that game because really we are two points behind Forfer. However, Forfer played a game more I'll, uh, we're four points behind Stranraer, and Stranraer played the game more, so we need to win that game to, to to cut that deficit big time. And I think that cutting that deficit is it's not obviously a massive result in terms of the scheme of the whole season, but it's massive psychologically because if we lose that game and then you're starting to see that gap open up, is it's it does become more and more of a like a mental situation where you're a bit like, right, okay, right, we need to win this and hope that they lose so that we could bring it back. Whereas, you know, we should really be starting to do that whilst everything's in our own hands. And I think the performance against TNS, um, you know, I think that we're unbeaten in, what, three or four games now? Is that right? Somebody correct me if I'm wrong? Uh, Yeah, two draw. Uh,
1: well, three draws, I guess, out of the last four, with the other one being a postponed.
4: Yeah. So, I mean... We're we're on you know the case. Drew Albion, beat Clyde, Drew Forfur, Drew Spartans, Drew TNS. So five games, four draws, and one win.
0: Yeah. So look, like let's let's not beat around the bush. It's not the form that we want to be on. Um well, sorry, yeah. So last few games, Drew against TNS, draw against Forfar. Draw against Spartans, win against Clyde, win against Albion. Um, when the last game before that being Dumbarton, we were, we were by far the better side, in my opinion, and, and lost to a, a late set piece. Um, and then the game against Elgin, where I actually felt like we could have gone on and won that as well. So realistically, that the last sort of running of form, you know, we're, we're starting to gain momentum, and it's just, it's just, I think I, I actually spoke to Paul Thompson on on Saturday, and you know, it's just when we're in those positions, just being able to finish a team off. Some of these, and I feel like I say this regularly, but he's like, but someday will get it done from us because, you know, we just need a game where, you know, fashioned um, Shep click together. Jack Healy, um, you know, Rockets in one of his special goals, you know. Um, we're, we're, we're definitely got the players to do that, and and people like Conor McManus hitting form at the right time, and people like Trout and playing as well as he's playing. And they're they're difference makers, as Michael would call them. You know, they they are the ones that can really propel us up the table, and hopefully we can do that on Saturday. I want to come to you for predictions, Doug.
1: I will go for two one win
0: scorers. Oh, um Fleming and <laughs> Page. Fleming's gonna score, you know, he's gonna just shake his ass and the ball's gonna hit it and it's gonna go top bench. Right.
1: There'll be a oh, sort of force of nature. Like a that.
0: fart, as it's also known.
1: <laughs>
0: I like that. And Ando, we'll come to you next. I think we'll
4: win. Um, two now or two one. Um, it'd be nice to see Fash
2: score. I think Sheppel got a goal. Gogsy. Yeah, I think I'm in that kind of 2 1, 2 0 area. Scorers, fashion and Shep.
1: I think the good thing is that Strenard aren't in good form because they started the season very well, but they have slipped yeah. back quite a bit. So now I think, I think yeah, if we play anything like we did on
0: Saturday, we'll, we'll win. I'm going to go for 1-0 and I'm going to call a Jack Healy Thunderbastard, his first league goal of the season. Um, he's going to rattle a 1-in for about 20 yards. Um, well, that's it, The East 5 section over. And I'm just going to feel my throat before I, I start the next one. So just give me a second. <clears throat> we're the famous Tartan army and we're going to Germany. Germany, Germany. So, I suppose the first one we need to talk about is the Spain game, um, where I, I still feel a wee bit cheated, if I'm honest, that um, that goal didn't stand, but, you know, really it didn't matter because our good Siesta Paella-loving friends did the, the business for us yesterday, although I don't know how many of you seen it, I certainly didn't because I was dying and fell asleep about half past nine, I think it was, um, but... Doug, I mean, I know that you're a, a big, avid Scottish fan, so you will be delighted um, at consecutive qualifications for the Euros.
1: Oh, I think it's massive. I think it's what, you know, when Clark got appointed, I don't think it, I'd be surprised if many of us thought it was the most exciting appointment. And But what he's done, you know, l- l- let's face it, with a, a decent squad of players for sure, but it, it's an unbelievable job. And I think to qualifying for a one off tournament is one thing, but to back it up and do it very comfortably in what was on paper quite a tough group is fantastic. Um and I think this I think I actually think the Spain game the other night kind of summed up that we were very much in a game and if that goal had been allowed, we probably would have gone on to win it, to be honest. And I think I mean a few years ago, you would be laughing at that sort of suggestion, but uh, no, I think I think Clark's done an unreal job, and I know there was a lot, as I say, a lot of people, even during his tenure at the early days of it, that were not loving him for sure. Um, have yeah, he's done an unbelievable job.
0: Gordon, I think that it's not just the fact of how well how good the results have been but just how well Scotland are are able to play and and find ways to beat teams I mean and he's made a superstar out of Scott McTominay he really has in terms of if you think about the goals that he scored but and, and don't get me wrong I think there'll be a lot of people that will talk about the fact that Scotland we've probably got our best squad that we've had since what 98 yeah, I mean it's it's kind of hard to to argue with that. I mean, if you have a look at the quality we've got, but would it not just be nice to produce something that isn't a world class fullback
2: Well, yeah. So I think overall we have we have better players than we've had in a generation. That's definitely true. Um, but like you touch on, it's not it's not like it's just a simple case of raw oh, right now we've got this class player in every position. Part part of the problem and part of Why I think it took quite a while, maybe a bit longer than it some people felt it should have for things to feel like they were clicking under Clark is it it wasn't easy to figure out how to set up that team and where to put everyone. I mean, the biggest one, the obvious one, was Tierney and Robertson. And you know, people were there was a range of opinions there. You know, do you just drop one of them? Do you play one of them in midfield? Do you try and put one of them on the right? So there was there was big questions to answer and you know, McTominay is another one. You know, it feels like Man United haven't really figured out the best way to use him. We were playing him at centre half. We played him centre mid. We played in an attacking midfield. Um, but he just seems to find the right answers to these questions. Um, and for me, yeah, but a big thing. And it's not—it's not just the results. I've—I've I've joked about a few times how you know the the Scotland performances and results and everything in this qualification is just like proper big team stuff. You know, we go away to Cyprus, three goals in half an hour, done. You know, don't need to worry about it. Um playing playing Spain at home, it's not just a, a jammy win or a lucky goal. We outplayed them. Um and you can say, Yeah, look, Spain, Spain have improved since then, or maybe the rest of a few players like, well, right, well, you know, that's their fault for underestimating us. We we did them. Um, and quite aside for the two goals that we scored we could have had four or five and that's that's proper ridiculous stuff going away to Norway and winning just showing not the best performance but mentally tough just very hard to beat Um, and yeah a wee bit disappointing you know you're coming away from a game against Spain in Seville that they were desperate to win and yeah disappointing to get beat that's a change in Scotland because you would have just chalked that one off you know, in previous years you're like, yeah, we're losing that. Doesn't matter. Um whereas we actually went into it with a you know, a realistic for me, a realistic hope that not just that we could be in the game, but that we could get something. And we could have. Um, you know, defeats happen, these things happen. But we look like a team that are you know, the sum of our parts is better than it was, but we look more than the sum of our parts. Uh, and Yes, down Steve
0: Clark, and I, and I think one of the exciting things is is not just the fact that we've got a crop of good players, is the majority of them are really young, and that we're going to see a lot of them, you know, be able to play for years. I mean, I think people forget Tierney's still got a good few years left in them. You then got Aaron Hickey coming through, who, you know, granted he slipped for the goal um, last week, will be something that's remembered. But apart from that, it was absolutely unbelievable and he will go on to play for one of the biggest teams in Europe I'm sure and um, you've got Ben Doak coming through who everybody's raving about you've you've got John McGinn who's still got you know another good few years left in him. McTominay's still got years left in him and we're just sort of seeing a conveyor belt of decent players coming through you've got Nathan Patterson um, who's, who can play full-back you know um, we've also got Josh Doig who's another full-back that we've We've not managed to utilise because of the, the players that are in front of them. You've got Lewis Ferguson, who's doing really well, and now the captain of Bologna. So you've you've got to think, like looking at our squad in years to come, things could get even better.
4: Yeah, I think there's also been a change as well in the sense that a number of our players have actually went abroad. Like yeah. It's not always going to what an in inverted commas is seen as the promised land of going to the Premier League. Because that's the thing as well. Like, international football is not the helter-skelter a million miles an hour Type of football you would often see in the Premier League. Well, that's maybe evolved a lot over the last couple of years. But going on the continent and playing a much more technical brand of football is more in keeping with the sort of slower pace that you often find at international level. Um, you know, the more technical, and technical side of stuff. So, I think the more of our players that we've got going out onto the continent is huge. Um, you know, we spoke about it on. At the weekend on Saturday, Billy Gilmore is primed. I know he's at Brighton under you know Roberto De Zerbi, who plays a really technical brand of football. But could you imagine Billy Gilmore how much he would kick on playing in Serie A or La Liga, where there's a lot, a, a much more technical brand of football across the piece, across the whole country in a slower tempo. Um, so I think there's been that change as well, and as you said. We've got players who, they're not actually getting minutes for Scotland. Lewis Ferguson, he scored against Juventus the other week. Um, I'm sure he set up a goal against AC Milan, or was it Inter Milan the week after? Captain and Bologna, who are a top 10 side in the Serie A. That's so refreshing to see. it's, It's also refreshing to see, not just trying your luck in terms of football and elsewhere, but growing as a person going abroad, learning a new culture, learning a new language, you know, that's to be applauded and it actually shows the characters that we've got in our squad now and maybe the mentality of some younger players coming through that they're willing to go and do that. So, for me, I, I want to see more of our younger players as they come through, even the lad Johnston who's just been called to today, is a week of grats. You know, he's at Motherwell last year is a playing in Austria for Grabs, playing against sides like, you know, yes, there will be some poorer sides but, RB Salzburg are, you know, consistently Champions League level. Um, you know, get knockout stages Europa League. He's played against teams like that. So, yeah, I, 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 I'm I'm very excited about the future. I think we've got Ben Doak coming through who I think will get minutes in Europa League for Liverpool this year. So, yeah, the future is exciting and I think Steve Clark's the right man for it and I think we're lucky in the sense that Steve Clark doesn't seem to be like an Alex McQuish or a WaterSmith who did well in the past, but the first sign of a bit of interest from a big club they'd probably go. I don't think Steve Clarke's got that. I think the Scotland job suits him to an absolute T. I think he loves the job that he does. So I think that longevity is really going to help us as well.
0: I th- yeah, I think we, had, we spoke about this at, at length at the weekend and that was sort of the overriding message to You know, he's not going to just jump um at a chance to to go to a big club. And I think that the other thing that I like about um Steve Clark is he's shown a lot of balls over a lot of things. Like um, you know, when Ryan Fraser wanted to come back, he's like, no go fuck yourself. Like you're not getting back in my team and and things like that. But you know, I th- yeah, I think in Steve Clark we've just got a guy who is brilliant at what he does. He's just a coach because I think at international level, that's what you need is a is a coach rather than maybe a manager. Because a manager is managing your day to day. A coach just comes in and knows how to get his team playing effective football. And he, and he does such a good job at it because if you think of the different styles that we've played under him over his tenure, you know, when we went three or five at the back, and then we went four at the back, and we've been quite fluid and dynamic in how we've played you know, we're able to change our shape and, and, and our style of play depend on the people we're playing rather than, you know, if you think about managers that we've had in the past where we've worried about what the other team are going to do. In fact, where we go to games, they're now worrying about us. You know, we're, if you think about Craig Levine in 4-6-0 against Czech Republic to to try and get a, a, a point, you know, whereas with Steve Clark, you know, we're, we're setting up to for teams to worry about us and... I tell you, when that draw comes in, there'll not be many people that'll be wanting Scotland, and if they do it's because they've not watched us. Because there'll not be, you know, if if you think about the the games that we played against Spain, etc., where we've been fantastic, people will be worried about us, and I think if you think about um, Wales and uh, the Euros going by, or or Iceland, you know, we, we maybe don't have a team of superstars, but what we do have is a team. And when you get to international tournaments, those sort of things really drive you on. And I think that the Tartan army being at this tournament where they weren't at the other one gives us a real big drive. Because I'm a huge believer in that. That if 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 you've got the right crowd behind you, it can feel like you've got, you know, wind in your sails, it can make a huge difference. And I mean, the amount of people that I've seen in the company the last few days that have booked flights to Germany is insane. Absolutely insane. And even this morning, when I'm having my morning dump, I'm on <laughs> I'm on my Expedia app going, right, okay, I could get £300 if I fly directly to Frankfurt, and if I get five of my mates to come with me, then that's only going to be £500 for a week in Frankfurt. But then I'm like, well, what if we don't get Frankfurt? We end up in Dusseldorf, and I've got to try and change things. So there's a lot of logistics to be worked out. But, I, I mean, we're all going to know people that are going to go over there in their droves. But like you guys, I'm really excited to, to see who we can get. And hopefully just for once we get a decent raw, because I kind of feel like at any of these things we we'll always get humped. But Aaron, I just wanted you to... I'm pretty sure it was yourself that put in the group chat about the way that the rankings are looking just now um, and the fact
4: that we could potentially go in as second seed. Yeah, so it's the... On Twitter, it's called Scottish Coefficient and they're actually really, really good. Give them a follow if you don't already. And what they do is... It sounds very scientific, to be fair, but they, they calculate the, the coefficient points for our clubs. Um, they do it across every country in European competition at club level, but they also do international football as well. So they've managed to work out, based upon how things look today, what the likely pots are for the the tournament. Um, So, you know, just for example, I won't try and bore you with this too much, but pot one, as it stands today, is... Uh, Germany, Portugal, France, Belgium, Turkey and Spain. So that's what they have as pot one. Uh, pot two, England, isn't that Albania, Hungary, Slovenia, Romania and Scotland. Um, pot three, Austria, Denmark, Greece, Czech Republic, Italy and Serbia. And then pot four... Is Wales, Switzerland, and Slovakia, but it's the three playoff winners as well as that from the Nations League. So at the minute, Holland would be the favourite from playoff A. By the way, just so you're aware, Holland are currently drawn 0 0 with Greece, which means Greece would stay second ahead of Holland by three points, having played them twice, going into two games left. Um, playoff B would be Israel, as it looks, or probably Knox will get chucked out, and playoff C is Georgia so when you look at those pots i think people would look at pot 2 and probably think don't want england or scotland out of that
1: but i'm looking at that i think I'm, if I'm, yeah. i think if i'm right in saying it's going to be very hard for us not to be in pot 2 come the end of the qualifier because it's it's the X number best second place teams and i think we're well not nailed on for it but i think if we won yeah. one of the last two we'd be pretty much guaranteed uh, so uh, we're guaranteed
4: pot two, but we could get pot one if we win the group.
2: So is this for for at the Euros, if we win our two games, we we have to be, we will be pot two. We will be the best. Let's say Spain win the two games. If we win the two games, we will be the best second place team and nobody can stop that. Yeah. If we lose one of them, it's likely that Austria will take it because they, they've only got one game left and it's against like I don't know Azerbaijan or something like that. They just beat Azerbaijan tonight. They've got one game left, and it's against like an easy yeah. team. If they win that, they move on to 19 points. So we would need to match that by getting four points. But if if we get four points, we'll almost certainly be
0: second second seed. I'm just looking at this and going, definitely getting France, Denmark, and probably the Netherlands if they qualify. <laughs> And um, mm-hmm. just because that would be the most Scotland thing to ever happen to us. But, but yeah. to be fair,
2: we we get tough groups because we don't get in the high seeds. That's you know England yeah. get easy groups because they're always top seeds. We always get pish groups because we're seed three or four. You know we're, we're we're gradually moving up, but it makes a big big difference.
1: I, I think I think obviously it's fantastic to qualify. I do think we need to get the mindset now though of. Like if we don't, I know we don't know the group, so it's very much you know hearsay. But it's almost like if you don't get out of the group, it will feel like a bit of a failure now. Because I think we're at that level. I think we're at that level where we've got to. It can't just be like, oh well done, we've qualified. Let's go and get pushed and enjoy the. You know, you you've got to have that mentality where we're going to go there and and, and get out of the group at least because have- the fact. It's still, it's still a bit shit, the fact that Scotland have never got out of a group stage. I mean, you know, that's that's mm-hmm. not good enough, really.
2: We have to get out of the group. I would say 100%. It isn't good enough
1: just to go anymore. We should be qualifying. Because um, the last the last Euros, I know it was very different scenarios with COVID and all that sort of stuff. But, but the fact that we were generally playing very well, we didn't do well. We didn't, We. I'm not saying we gassed it, but we didn't turn up, which was a, a shame because it wasn't a ridiculous group really in many ways. But I think I think it's big for us now. I think that we've got to go in with that mentality of, you know, who the hell knows? Because that's the thing. People forget, fucking Greece won the Euros. I'm not saying sitting here saying we can win the Euros, but you get the right draw and the pathway is decent. You could really surprise. I,
2: I mean, what did Wales get to the semis or whatever it was? Yeah, they got to a semi. Yeah, if Wales can get Probably. to a semi, if that Wales team can get to a semi, we could as well. We are not. Yeah, we are not that. We are not draw. that far behind.
1: And it's <laughs> all all based on
2: the draw. Yeah, we, Wales beat one properly good team to get to that semi.
1: Yeah.
2: We're at the level where, if we get a decent enough draw, you know, and you know, maybe we only get one bigger team. Maybe we get past them, but we should be looking at quarterfinals unless you get a stinker of a draw you know you get France in the round of sixteen whatever
1: the the one yeah the, the one thing that still bugs me about Scotland and has done for a long time now is why can't we just find even a decent striker I'm not we don't I'm not talking about a you know top 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 Premier League striker. Just a decent striker. No offense to Dykes and Adams, who are both like they are decent. But you know what I mean. It would make such a difference
2: if we Imagine had. I mean, it was, it, it's silly, but I was saying like if we had Erling Haaland, how good a team would we be? Like yeah. we'd be we'd be properly a threat going into this tournament if we had someone like that.
0: That's the thing, though, is is we don't, um, you know, we 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 have lacked probably since Dalgliesh that one world class player, like you know, when you look at Wales, they had Bale, Bale was you know winning Champions League regularly, we right do at that point, you know, we just don't have anybody off that ilk, you know, that you know, I think it was um, Jurgen Klopp that said that Ben Doak is going to be that player for Scotland, but he's not ready just now. What I would like to see, um, is come January, Ben Doak saying to Klopp either play me or put me out on loan so he could go in and get a run of games even if it's championship I don't care but um, go and just get a run of games to get himself into the frame of the Euros because if he's not playing then there's no way that Clark will take him and if he's got that ability get him in the squad Um, you know because if if he's that good if he can make a change if he can make a difference um, even if it is off the bench um, then At the same
2: time we score goals yeah. We're not a team that doesn't score goals. Now we don't have like yeah you know in Scottish League Two standard speak. You're twenty goal a season striker. We don't have that, but we have goals. Um, you know you compare us to other nations around Europe, and we we're, like we we hold up pretty favourably.
1: I think that's a big here. thing as well. There were I was I think it was um, Paige, the Wales manager was talking about when Wales did very well was the fact that their whole squad, there wasn't a single bad egg. And he was saying that's unbelievably rare in international football to get a whole squad where there's not one wee fanny that people don't like. And I kinda think that's part of where we are just now.
3: Ours, is, ours was uh, Ryan
1: Fraser. Yeah. yeah, but but he's you know, out now. There's a few there's a few guys that you think you know, I, I think we were sort of saying that about gold maybe, just to give Michael a wee is who knows? He's maybe a wee dick. Like I know that says he might be, and it might be as simple as that of going. Do you know what? There's a few players that don't like him, and you know, remember your McBurneys, all these sort of people. They've got rid of all that, and it's it's a proper. People don't pull out of Scotland squads. People want to play. They're desperate to play, and I think and that makes such a big difference.
4: I think that comes back to Quark, though. You know, like he's created a club atmosphere. And what he's done is he's kind of went with that no dickheads policy where Olin McBurney makes comments in the tunnel, remember that in a Premier League game, I don't think he's been in Scotland squad since, since, sorry, you know, um, you could argue, you know, that Olin McBurney's maybe a better striker than London Dykes in terms of finishing, perhaps, but Dykes is just a much better character who's much more committed to the cause and Clark's picked him ahead of him and continues to do so for the betterment of the squad for the betterment of the group so no I think that comes to Clark being ruthless as well and, and, and even with, with Elliot Anderson I, I love the way he's handled that. you know like he's he's from what we gather he's no way chasing him he's, he's, he's been well you know what go see you later and, and when he got asked about it in the press conference he said look it's up to him it's up to him like he he, he knows that Scotland rate him and are interested in him, but he's not going to go chasing him, so you know, he's making it a privilege to be called up for Scotland rather than a chore, you know what I mean, it's not an entitlement, you know, it's, you're not entitled to play for Scotland, you earn the right to play for Scotland and then continue, that's the big one, continue to play for Scotland in future squads and look at guys like Kenny McLean in that as well, Kenny McLean gets very little minutes basically every single squad every single squad so and the same with Louis Ferguson he's travelling from Italy all the time he's never getting a minute he's not getting any minutes playing for Scotland he still turns up to every squad
0: that's a, a banging point point. Um, and sorry to speak in pure Chav speak saying banging but it really is because I think if you think about when it was Bertie votes, he was handing out caps like confetti to anybody, you know, I, I don't care, like, you know, Nigel Quasi, um, you know, boys like that, you're like, why are you anywhere near, Chris Iwilumo, why are you anywhere near Scotland's Scotland squad? Um, but he's, he's creating that desire to want to play for your country, and it's, why the, it's one of the points I was going to move on, and thanks for bringing it up, but I had written down about Harvey Barnes, and I'm a... <sighs> I'm caught in two minds because the boy is clearly a brilliant player, right? There's no getting away with it and a, a player that would do well for Scotland. But it's a bit like if you really wanted to play for Scotland, you would be playing for Scotland because you know the options there. And I don't want it to be a case that you're only playing for us because you can't play for England. And I think that these players that flirt with Scotland, Angus Duck Gunn was another one, Um, you know, they sort of flirt with Scotland like, oh, well, I might be too good for you guys, you know, if I can go and play for England, then I will if that conversation happens with Steve Clark, it should be an ultimatum. Whether he play for us or we manager, you'd never play for us. And I hope that that's the case. Because it's it, to pull on that shirt is a massive privilege. And it should be that case for everybody that wants to do it. And if it's not, then don't play them. Don't pick them. You know, I would rather us be shite than have a team full of mercenaries like we've had in the past. Um, and it's good to see us in that position. I, I think,
2: I don't totally disagree, but you know, there's players like Shea Adams, who I think you could say the same about, that yeah. apparently he had sort of said he wasn't sure in the past. And then, you know, basically once he's picked Scotland, he looks like he's all in for it. And he's another player. He he travels every time. He never pulls out with an injury. He doesn't always play. He's no guaranteed. He's not a star at Scotland. He's, he's no guaranteed 90 minutes every time. He still turns up. Um I would trust Steve Clark to make that judgment you know if a player's got a genuine you know maybe I feel a bit of both and I'm not that sure I wouldn't give players ultimatums like, I wouldn't say to Harvey Barnes like you know you pick us now or you're out forever um, you know someone like Shea Adams if he turns up if he if he chooses Scotland and he turns up and he plays and he's you know his, his heart's not in it then yeah you don't want him but if he is and he's going to give everything and he's going to make us better, like, I'm I'm happy with that. But I trust someone like Steve Clark. Like you say, I think other managers, it's just been a bit like, oh, you, you know, you play in the championship and you've got a Scottish granny, and
1: you come. Craig Michael you know,
0: Smith.
2: Aye, some, some of I these guys...
0: Where,
1: I think that's where, like, even the Ben Doak thing, like, I just totally trust what Steve Clark's thinking of doing. Exactly, I think yeah. he's quite, you know, I, I think he's probably going this kid's very Scottish, very committed to playing for Scotland. No, I'm no worries about him buggering off to, you know, England or in like that. And he's not ready, but when he's ready, he'll play. And he, he'll he probably have a plan worked out for what he wants. And how he'll be even chanting to Klopp, I'm sure there'll be loads of this, about what, where he sees, you know, what he's going to be do. Because I noticed that even that, like, Hayden Hackney, remember, that everyone was going on about? In yeah. Middlesbrough. I noticed he played for England under-21s the other night. And yeah. So he's... He's obviously decided to to go, and that's fine. If you if you don't want to play for Scotland, you don't play. That's totally fine. Like I I get it. If you're English, but you happen to have a you know Scottish granny, it, it, your heart would be to play for England. Obviously, if that's yeah. where you're born. I would say. Um, but if you know, if if you're wanting to commit to the cause, commit. But if you don't, you know, fair play. Well, also, like
2: you know, countries like Ireland got massive success in the 80s and 90s, and probably more than half their team were they were English guys that elected to play for Ireland. Now, I reckon most of them would have had this thing that, you know, if they got asked to play for England, they would have played for England. But once they were in Ireland, they were in it. You could see it. They were, you know, they were together. They were a squad. Um, they achieved great things. Now, you know, I, I, I wouldn't want to see a Scotland squad that's like, you know barely any Scottish players in it. I wouldn't want to see it. But when you're talking about one or two here or there, you know, if you qualify, if you want to play for Scotland and you're going to turn up and make a difference,
1: happy with it. But I think the other thing you find with that would be like you you listen to like Tony Cascarino and uh, Andy Townsend and stuff who are, you know, English but play they'd still talk about we as Ireland all the time. Like they're properly loved. They
2: do it to today. That, yeah.
1: Yeah. That's what I mean, and it, it's like, although they're technically inverted commas English, it's very much, you know, Ireland and they loved representing Ireland and did it for their whole career. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, I don't I, think, I don't think you would ever turn the door down to anyone, but it's it's nice to have that ability just to kind of go, well, if you're up for it, you're in, but if no, off you go. But nah, we're the, not desperate I anymore. Suppose the
0: point, yeah, I suppose the point that I'm trying to make is you look at Scott McTominay's, the definition of being born in a stable doesn't make you a horse, right? Because he had the choice to play for England. Gareth Southgate wanted him to play for England. He chose Scotland. He wants to play for Scotland. And you see what it means to the lad. You know, he like he might have a fucking English accent, but he is Scottish and he'll tell you he's Scottish. And I think that that's what I mean. Like You, you want them to play because they want to play, not because we're the last option. It's, it's like circling the nightclub dance floor for the last bird of the night. You know what I mean? It didn't just want to be, I'm um, taking her home because she's the last one here. It should just be, nah, you know... I want to take her home because she's the one I want to take home, and that's the way it should be. That's the point I was trying to make, but uh, lo and behold, I've probably not articulated myself as well as I could.
4: I think, there, though, Lee, to give you your credit, I think, like, I, I, I am more with you on that sort of thing, and that's it's more it's more at players like Harvey Barnes. Right? Like, have Steve Clark said that he, at some point a few years ago, reached out to Harvey Barnes to assess if he'd be interested in playing for Scotland and he got you know pushed back um, and my understanding of Steve Clark and the things that you read is that I'd be very surprised if Steve Clark has reached back out to him again I feel like this time though, Harvey Barnes has seen that Scotland at that time were on the verge of qualifying for a major tournament and he's probably want a slice of that um, and that doesn't sit well with me. That that doesn't that that honestly does not sit well with me because he's doing. I, I personally think he's doing that for the wrong reasons. Um, no, I'm not saying that he comes in the squad and he's an asshole because he's maybe not. He's maybe a really nice lad too, like Dog and Gordon are saying, would buy into it and be right up for the cause and right behind it. But if you go with first impressions, for me there's doubts. There there are doubts.
1: I, I do, I do agree with you to an extent. I, I do think, though, with the, the sort of gene pool that we can pull from, is you know, if someone's if someone's absolutely shit hot and decides that their only way for international football is to play for Scotland, and they're up for it and they're showing that they want to do it, I still think we've got to take the best options we can get.
2: Yeah, here's here's a hard-nosed question. We've gone to the Euros, like path A, path B. Path A, we've taken Harvey Barnes, you know, and he's not taking McGinn's spot. He's not taking McTominay or Dykes. He's taking someone like Lauren Shankland or Kevin Nisbet, right? So we take Barnes, we don't take Nisbet. Path B is we say, no, Barnes, you know, we don't want you. We're going to take Kevin Nisbet. Harvey Barnes scores a goal that gets us, you know, Harvey Barnes comes on as a sub. Kevin Nisbet's not going to play. Harvey Barnes comes on as a sub. Guess it's a goal. I guess to a quarter final. You're gonna give a shit because no, you know he's not no taking. I mean, just to be really hard, nose about it. Mm-hmm. Like, I, 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 I just, agree, agree with everything you're saying, but there's a part of me that's
4: like, I, take I it. think it comes back to, I'm. I think I think it was Doug that said, Look, "I trust Steve Clark with the judgments that he makes." So, you know. For me, and as I sort of ended saying about that, is is if, if, say, Steve Clark meets with Harvey Barnes and as part of some form of character assessment that no doubt Steve Clark will do, he could see that this guy is fully committed to Scotland, then of course. That's the key point for me, it's about full commitment. But I trust Steve Clark to make that judgment. My only concern is that this is a guy who... Has been approached to play for Scotland before, and it, it wasn't like a, the way it was told, and that might be inaccurate, by the way. But for what you hear is he, he rebuffed Scotland. He said, nah I, I don't want to play for Scotland." Maybe because at that point he was younger, there was probably more hope that he'd get a call up for England. I get it, totally get it. He's English, but I trust whatever Steve Clark does. So if Steve Clark was to meet the Harvey bands. I think you know what I don't think just looking in your eyes that this is for you and you're doing this for the wrong reasons, then I'm quite happy if I'm taking Kevin Nisbet. Um, but but I, think, I, suppose, I think, that, so I think that's my thing, Um
1: You're asking a kid at 18, 19 or whatever, 20 years old, do you want to come play for Scotland? For a guy who's English with maybe a Scottish granny, he's going to say no because he's going to want to play for England. But then if four or five years at a time, still at a good age, 20 two twenty three year old, he's like, oh, I'm probably not gonna get a game for England. Uh you know I, I want to play international football, but, but I want play, to play playing, World Cups.
2: Then and playing for Scotland looks fucking brilliant. Yeah. Aye, I mean that's, aye,
1: yeah that's what I mean. I don't I, I think it's different to what it maybe would have been years ago when you're you're getting some, as you say, Craig McHale Smith type players who are no very good and we're just capping them for the sake of it. I think I think we're only going to do this now with people that... Clark will only, will only cap someone now who's going to make a difference to the squad. And as you say, there are there are two or three positions in that squad that are up for grabs for your guys like Nisbet, Shanklin, who are pretty much not going to get a game, it would seem. But I,
2: I think it, it, when it comes into all these Scotland things, I totally agree. I trust Steve Clark. If, if Steve Clark thinks it's the right thing to do, behind it.
0: Yeah, that's that's the point. Just to 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 round this off, I totally agree with everything everyone's saying, but it, it needs to be we're not like for me we're not treated as the last option. And and I think that Steve Clark is is smart enough to be able to realise if if somebody's treating us like that because we tried Angus Gunn years ago he pied us and then he's actually like, all right okay Shea Adams the exact same but what I don't I don't want players like that I don't want a Shea Adams I don't want a Angus Gunn No, don't give it all. They're, they've done well since they've come in but I want a Scott McTominay I want somebody that's that that, that comes in is and he's doing it for the cause he's doing it because he wants to play for the country and that needs to be like you know he's playing for one of the biggest. Clubs in the world, usually I would have said best, but were utter shite. He's played for one of the biggest clubs in the world. And he could have really, at that time, because remember, he was Jose Mourinho's player of the year. He was the manager's player of the year at the, the season that he picked Scotland. You know, Gareth Southgate outright said, I want him to play for England. And he was. He met Southgate. He met um, Alex McLeish, who it was at the time. And he said, I want to play for Scotland. That was the decision he made. And that, for me, is what I want to see for anybody representing our national team. Don't get me wrong, if, the, if it turns out that they're an England reject, I have no issues with that, as long as they're showing that they want to play for us and it's for the right reasons and not just because they want to collect the extra cash that they get played for the national team or not just because they want to play in a major tournament. Because I don't think we're... I, I think that's the thing now.
1: I don't think we're the last option now. I think we're now a good option. Yes. Which, which we've mm-hmm. not been for a long time. And, and if players are looking at going, as you say, I want a piece of this. Then fair play. It's like very, very quickly. It's like Darren Fletcher's two kids sort might be very good at 16. Yeah. They've chosen to play for England. They were born there. That's fine. They may well at 23, 24 years old, go, do you know what? You know. Well, actually,
0: one of them's chosen to play for Scotland. Oh, that's right. Yeah, one yeah. yeah, of one, one's playing for Scotland, playing for England. But again, uh, I have no issues with that. If you grow up, uh, you know, yeah. if you, grow up You're in England, there, and you feel English, play
2: for England. Like look, yeah. look for, for a lot of people, like for me my nationality is a really easy question. I was born in Scotland. I've been brought up in Scotland. My parents are Scottish or my grandparents are Scottish. It's not even a question for me. And I think sometimes like the Fletcher kids, um, it's just a good example that nationality isn't always 100% easy to answer for a lot of people. And the fact that one's picked England and one's picked Scotland just kind of shows it's not always easy.
1: I think as well, Gordon... <laughs> It's quite an easy one for you because you're absolutely pish at football. Uh, <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? No, I don't. I don't. Think, no, I, uh, just, I, I, I don't. I think didn't, I not I not mean like what,
2: what. What national team? I'll I've Steve. Just to let you know, Stevie. Yeah, I've I've declared for Scotland.
1: Uh,
0: yeah, my family grew up in Dyson. I'm Scottish as fuck. Uh, <laughs> but I just mean if some
2: if somebody asked me, it's 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 an easy question. Like, what country are you from? Like, what's your nationality? It's it's stupidly easy because there's only one option, but there's a lot of people. But it's not it's not that easy. But
0: Gordon, I actually, to flip that, you've actually got an interesting predicament because if you and your partner had kids, so your kid's going to be half your guy. So if your kid grew up playing like I wanted, I'm the best striker in the world. I've I've, I've got the all the sexiness and suaveness of a uh, Edison Cavani, Luis Suarez hybrid, but equally my son names Henderson, and I've been I've grown up in methyl but well, Uruguay are going to have a chance to win the World Cup well, as, as much as I've tried to be
2: understanding about these things, if I had a kid and he chose Uruguay would be disowned
0: so. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's a perfect way to end the show um, listen, it's been almost two hours guys, I mean I know that I've, I've done nothing but speak to you guys for the last couple of days but really enjoyed doing the show, it's good to be back um, hopefully we'll make it a, a more weekly thing um, now that hopefully Doug's not away golfing every weekend, although I do believe that, uh, sorry I will be at Saudi Arabia on Monday, but yeah it's alright <laughs> yeah. Gordon, are you planning on a little pin? or just disappearing off the face of the earth anytime soon? Uh,
2: no, I should say, uh, available next weekend, definitely
0: Dando. I'll be there next weekend Excellent. So we can do a show this weekend. Ideal. Um, barring any other catastrophes, we'll be back for you on Sunday. We've recorded this on Monday night, but we need Michael to edit it and send it out. He doesn't think that that'll be tonight. So I think you should be getting this on Tuesday or Wednesday. And then we'll see you at Baby on Saturday. So thanks as always, gentlemen. Been a pleasure. And thanks to our listeners for your continued support and everybody that came and had a chat with us um, at TNS at the weekend. Um, to the Fans who were telling us how much they love the show And to the ones who told us it was shite as well That's absolutely fine But for everyone else, thanks for listening Take care, and more importantly, one Five Lord Provost Warren of Glasgow presents the Scottish League Cup To the side that lasted the course better All conquering East Fife
3: As I made my way to that pitch on Wellesley Road To sing my songs for the boys in black and gold I heard the stories about 1938 and I was just a boy I knew I'd have to wait There's broken dreams and what might have been At that stadium by the shore But those glory days and gold might return once more